Hey friend, thanks for stopping by. Pull up the chair and have a seat. You know me, I've got some good Tennessee white pine burning here in the chimney, but we better enjoy it fast because it's hard to believe, but winter solstice has already come and gone. And summer solstice is around the corner coming up June 20th, 2021. But listen, hey, chill out. I'm going to run inside and get us a couple of cups of joe. I'll be right back. Hey, you're listening to Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. Today's episode is episode 82, titled The Flagellum Motor, High-Tech in a Low-Tech World. The subtitle is Thoughts on Beginnings. The flagella motor exists in nanometers. A nanometer is one billionth of a meter. A meter is three feet long. A sheet of paper is about 100,000 nanometers thick. The motor I'm talking to you about today, a biological motor, and it's an actual motor that causes the cell to have propulsion, is 50 nanometers. And it's a nanotechnological marvel. Now, these, these are words that scientists, I'm talking about bona fide scientists, standard scientists, these are the terms they're using. And I'm going to have many of these links in the show notes so that you can look at this stuff for yourself. And let me say right here, this is not just for those who consider themselves super academic. Folks, that all of us are mature enough to understand what I'm talking about, and we need to absorb it. But the bacterial flagellar motor is a nanotechnological marvel. Now get this. It spins clockwise or counterclockwise at speeds on the order of 100 hertz. That means 100,000 revolutions per minute, RPM. And it's driving a long, thin helical filaments that enables the cells to swim, to move about, to do their business. The bacterial flagellar motor, or BFM, is a rotary. Now, this is coming from science. This is what they've just discovered here in the past few years that it is a rotary electric nanomachine. Did you hear that? A rotary electric nanomachine that drives swimming in a wide variety of bacterial species. In molecular biology, the flagellar motor switch is a protein complex. In E. coli and salmonella, it regulates the direction of flagellar rotation and hence controls swimming behavior. The functionality of the basal body is also similar to the electrical motor. Now, folks, I'm talking about in your motor car, you have a blower motor that blows your air conditioning into your cargo cabin. Okay, in a very similar way, this biological motor is very, very similar to the electrical motor, and it helps to move the external flagella extensions for the locomotion process. Do you realize that the word, now this is coming straight out of a science publication, the locomotion process. Due to the structural and functional similarities, this basal body is known as the smallest motor biological in the world. Are you with me? Here's some more highlights of the flagellar motor. The rotation of the bacterial flagellar motor is generated by the interaction between two parts in the motor, the rotor and the stator. Now, folks, the terms they're using here, they're the exact same terms that you use in describing an electrical motor, okay? It's two components in most motors to where you have a stator and a rotor. The rotor here in the cell, the rotor is composed of a central rod and surrounding rings, and the stator is a unit that works as an energy converter 
to couple ion influx to rotation of the rotor. And I can tell you without going into complex details, they can't explain where the energy comes from. But what you have is the stationary rod. I say stationary rod, it's actually a part of the drive shaft, but it has around it this stator that is an energy converter that somehow energizes that rod to spin under pressure, under torque. The stator converts electrochemical energy into mechanical force. This again is a scientific description. Into mechanical force after undergoing a structural change caused by a movement of charged particles or ions through an internal channel. The flagellum is a supra-molecular supra complex composed of about 30 different proteins and consists of at least three parts, a rotary motor, a universal joint, and a helical filament. In other words, folks, if you have a front-wheel drive car or an all-wheel all -wheel drive car, you have universal joints in all of your drive shafts that allows your tire to roll and move forward, but also change direction while it's under drive force to move the vehicle forward or backward. So it flexes not only left to right, but in a, a universal pattern. It can flex in any direction, basically. So that's why you're able to drive your front-wheel drive car, and as you're going 60 miles an hour, take a major curve left or right, and the tire continues to still pull and have torque and energy for propulsion at the same time changing the direction of the tire so that it continues to move. Now, this is in a small, microscopic, beyond comprehension biological motor. It's an actual motor. And so I want to stop for just a minute. The scripture says clearly that you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says in the book of Genesis, Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 1, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Folks, think about God's creative act and power displayed to you and to me. And in something that is so infinitesimally small, you and I don't even know that it exists. And if you happen to come down with salmonella or E. coli, then the little critters that are moving about the cells and causing and wreaking havoc in your body are being driven by this little tiny microscopic motor. It is an absolute fact that an overwhelming majority of scientists no longer hold to strict Darwinism because of these very discoveries. Because when science looks into things such as this, they see clearly the creative act of God. They can't say that because once you say, I see design, the implication clearly is a mind so brilliant that can manufacture something so small that's at work caring about large things that it forces them into a box to say, then there is a God. When we say there is a God, that human spirit, human heart, human mind, human consciousness knows that there comes responsibility to that creator. And so many scientists today are walking in diametric opposition to scientific fact and truth because to admit it means to have to change, and they don't want to change. They like living in their disbelief. So therefore, they enact acts of faith by which they continue to place their hand to the plow of Darwinism knowing that, in fact, it is false. And so I want to take just a moment. I tell you, 
when we talk about, well, well, Kenny, you know, why are you talking about this in the midst of the pandemic? Why are you talking about this in the midst of such rampant poverty and unemployment and the collapse of our civilization as we see it? Go and just look at the the, the, the video right now that's available on YouTube before it's taken down regarding the city of Olympia, the capital city of Washington state, that state that's becoming quickly a cesspool of filth and debauchery and decay. And look at what's happening in that capital city of beautiful Washington state and the insanity that is being imposed on the people who live there with these massive homeless camps of of drug addiction and filth and disease. And friend, don't say, oh, Kenny, I I thought you cared about the homeless. Hey, I absolutely care about the homeless, and I've been working to help them almost my entire life. But dear friend, what our governments are doing at at the state level and allowing mayhem to go on is not compassion. It is not care. It is not Uh, reaching out and doing right to those who are hurting and who were created in the image of God. It is a proliferation of, of putridness and decay, and it is destructive to our very existence. And against that backdrop, you and I have got to say that, no, wait, the Bible tells me I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible tells me that in the book of Genesis chapter one, verse one, that God is the one who created the heavens and the earth that there is a designer behind this. And to sit back and to take a Darwinistic approach to life and to existence is manifested in the very things that we see happening in these decaying cities. The only way that anyone can sit back and watch this destruction is because their view of humankind is very low. Whether they come forward and confess it or not, their view of mankind is low. When you take a totalitarian state like China that has approximately a billion and a half people and the treatment of those who are dissidents and those who are other than is such with horrific uh, action and you ask yourself, how can they do it? How could Stalin do what he did? That is the result of the mind of a Darwin thinker. Because if you say that there is no God, that we happen by accident, we are an amalgamation of mutations that all happened by accident over the period of hundreds of millions of years, then it truly is the survival of the fittest and that the Darwinistic mind says we must eliminate those who are inferior because of the putrefaction of the gene pool. And so, dear friend, the very thing I'm talking about today the manifestation of the creative work of God, that creating a biological actual motor that is used for propulsion of especially bacterium that can take your life and mine through E. coli or through salmonella, you've got to say to yourself, wait, there's more going on here. And what it says to me that if God will give that type of creative attention and detail to the most microscopic thing, How much more fantastic and how much more amazing are you as a human being? Think about it. What God did, his crowning act of achievement was the creation of man. You and I are super special to God. As a matter of fact, you're so special that when we blew it, 
when the first man blew it and said that I'm going to rebel against the creator God and I'm going to become the captain of my own ship, what did God do? He, it says that while we were still yet sinners, and I've quoted this many times on this podcast, but it's fundamental that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He sent intervening grace that he makes available to every one of us if we will just say yes, if we will bow our knee to God, okay? Listen to what Psalm 14 says, a portrait of sinners for the choir director. It's a Psalm of David. The fool says in his heart, God does not exist. Here's the, here's the commentary. They are corrupt. They do vile deeds. There is no one who does good. Now, friend, let me stop right there. That's just verse one. David says several thousands of years ago, King David, the greatest king who's ever lived, who reigned over the nation of Israel, that he says that there is no one who does good. This is a revelation from God. The Lord looks down from heaven on the human race to see if there is one who is wise one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Will evildoers never understand? They consume my people as they consume bread. They do not call on the Lord. Then they will be filled with terror, for God is with those who are righteous. You sinners frustrate the plans of the afflicted, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that Israel's deliverance would come from Zion. When the Lord restores the fortune of his people, Jacob will rejoice. Israel will be glad. And so, dear people, the Bible gives us the true understanding of how things are and the relationship of, of humanity as they really are. And dear friends, if we turn to a system of man to be our salvation, it will be our destruction because man left to his own devices is corrupt and full of vile deeds and that no one does good. You keep your eyes focused on God. You don't fo focus your mind and heart on man. And so, dear friend, I want to encourage you today that if you are hurting and you wonder, man, what is going on? Do I matter? Is life worth living? Let me give you some encouragement today. Life absolutely is worth living. The God, the creator God of this world, who created the heavens and the earth, loves you. He's crazy about you. He wants the best for you. And he wants to have a personal living relationship with you. And so friend, if you don't know Jesus, I've included in the show notes, information, directions on how you can know Jesus for your own personal Lord and Savior. And so dear friend, when you say, I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for my salvation, he will save you and he will rescue you and he will change your mind and he will give you a clean new life to live for him without fear, without being subservient to any man's system, but only subservient to the holy creator God who made you. And with that, dear friend, I bid you peace. Peace.